Welcome to this week's podcast by Pastor Jamal Oliver of White Street Baptist Church, located in Auburn, Alabama. Thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. this morning Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 this is the account of Noah and his family Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God Noah had three sons Shem, Ham and Japheth now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark. Verse 18. Here's that conjunction. That I love because it changes the idea of the text. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Thank God for the promise. Thank God for the promise. We have survey the opening chapters of Genesis and Genesis has brought us to a place in chapter four and five and even back in chapter three where mankind has in a sense suffered from the infection of sin. The Bible says that they have been corrupted in every way. Every thought, every action is corrupted. And everyone seems to be going their own way. But last week we saw that in that instance God saw a man that was righteous. One that stood out among the rest by the name of Noah. And here in chapter 7, or chapter 6, excuse me, we're introduced to Noah, and we finally begin to see some details about who he is. He says that he was a righteous man in his day. He was a righteous man in his generation. Among the ones that God had to deal with, he was a righteous man. And so here we're immediately introduced to the righteousness of Noah. 
Now understand that the reason I call it the righteousness of Noah is because I'm not wanting to suggest to you that that was necessarily righteousness in man. And I want to point out to you that in the righteousness of Noah, we don't see the perfection of man. In the righteousness of Noah, we don't even see the perfection of Noah. Because even though Noah is doing what God desires, even though Noah is living in such a way that God can call righteous, even though that Noah is living in a way that God can say he stood out among his generation, he was still a man. He was still a human being. He was still one that was corrupted in some of his thinking and his nature was still that of Adam. His forefathers have still been sinful. He still got a little sin in him. He still has some difficulties. But what we're seeing here is that among the corrupt ideas, mentalities, thoughts, and mindsets, guess what? Noah stood out among them all. Have you ever had to be in that situation? Well, maybe you were the one that came from a foolish family. You know, the family that everybody in the town knew the name of your family because your family, they, they would fight. Somebody in there might have sold a little dough. You know, walk around, we were laughing and talking the other day about how it was back in the day. Back in the day, you would fight with your hands. And, and if you had a weapon, it wasn't that but a little knife. But maybe you would have, you know, all the girls carry razor blades in your family. Come on, you know what it is. You know, you were the one that everybody had something in the purse. Even grandmama had a little hammer. And y'all were known for knocking somebody upside the head. Yeah, it's like you don't mess with them because they will knock you upside the head. And then they say, it ain't no use in trying to fight one because if you win, you got to fight the rest of them. So you might as well take an L or just leave them alone. But then somebody finally came out of that family and they stood above the rest, meaning they tried to set a new standard among the family. And then when you graduated, you came home, they said, yeah, we still remember your folks. Noah was just one who came from a group of knuckleheads. But yet he stood out among them all. Not because he was perfect. But because he was found righteous in the sight of God, can I suggest to you that no matter what your name is down here, no matter what your reputation is down here, no matter where you came from down here, your goal is to be found righteous in the sight of God, even if you are not accepted in the sight of man, even if you don't meet the standards of man. It's ultimately your goal to be found righteous in the sight of God. See, when God comes back, they're not going to worry about what your name was. In the hood. It's going to matter what your name is in heaven. Pookie and Bubba and Skinner. That won't go with you. But if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what matters. He goes on and he says. That I found one righteous. In the sight of God and among those in his generation. He found Noah and he details the family. He has three sons. Noah has a wife. He has three sons and they have wives. And he goes on and he begins to speak. The writer speaks of the corrupt generation. And you have to understand that the corrupt generation, there's a suggestion here of not only just everybody bad, but there's no structure in place to hold people accountable. There is chaos in 
control. Because you have to understand that when man rejected God's law, in that day he left himself with no law at all. When he rejected God's way, he was left in a way, guess what? That was chaotic. I, let, me, let me just say it this way. I gave you order. I gave you a structure. I placed you in a garden. I gave you your marching orders. I told you to go ahead and to rule and to have the rule over every living thing. We, I told you what your job was. And I told you what I would do. I would produce for you. And I told you where you could eat. You can go and you can eat at all these places. And I told you where you couldn't eat. You couldn't eat from one little tree right there in the midst of the garden. I told you what you could do. I gave you the structure. I gave you freedom. I gave you choice. I allowed you to do what you wanted to do. I gave you structure. I gave you my way. I gave you my word. I gave you my will. But you rejected it. And now you're wondering why you're living in a corrupt generation. We're wondering why we're in the situation we're in. In America, we wonder why we're in the situation we're in. In Auburn, we're wondering why we're in the situation we are in our families. It's because we have, gosh, we've rejected the law of God. And when you reject the law of God, when you reject, oh God, that way that God gives you, you'll find yourself in chaos. Here God is pointing out the righteousness of Noah, but overall we're seeing the regression of man. Man is going backwards. Man is going to a place where he does not look like God much anymore. When it started out, he was made in the image and the likeness of God. But now he's not portraying, he's not living, he's not illustrating nor demonstrating the righteousness of God. Now what he's doing is simply doing whatever comes to his heart. And without the presence of God, you have to understand that whatever comes to your heart is godliness. Excuse me, I said it wrong. Godlessness. Oh, let me... Did I say it wrong or did I want you to catch the difference? See, many of you think that you can figure out what godliness is on your own. But when you're trying to do it on your own, you're simply saying that I'm actually fooling around in the area of godlessness because I'm trying to figure it out and I'm not giving it to God. Uh, let me say it the way he says it. He says in all your ways, acknowledge me and I will what? direct your path. So anytime you can find yourself not giving it to God and not getting his guidance, you can be assured that you're in godlessness and not godliness. Here's a society that is void of any type of governmental system. They're void of any type of accountability. They're void of any type of structure that will allow them some direction in how to live and to walk as humans. They are void of any type of wisdom and knowledge or know-how in how to be like God. They're now devoid of any relationship with God. That they, they see the example of their father. They're void of all of that and they're now spiraling out of control. That's what we're seeing in generations now. We don't see them in church. We're not making it, oh God, enticing if I may. We're not doing anything 
in many cases to get them here and we wonder why they so violent. Genesis can answer that. We're wondering why folks and making children not taking care of Genesis can answer that. We're wondering why families are being broken apart. Genesis can answer that. We're wondering why schools are being shot up. Genesis can answer that. Because we have a generation, as you will hear later on, that does not know the Lord. And generations past have let it slide from time to time. Because, see, you can't blame the child if you don't look at the parent. See, that's why Noah, he's not perfect because mom and daddy wasn't perfect. Mom and daddy passed down that sin and it seemed like it got worse. And worse. It started off with eating an apple. Then it progressed with killing your brother. Then it progressed to folk just doing whatever they want to do. Even angels coming out of heaven messing around with folk down here. Then it got to a point where God was just tired of it. And says, I regret that I made man. I'm going to let man go. And he comes to Noah and we hear that God says, I will take care of these people. I'm going to make sure that this don't happen again. I, I, I'm going to wipe everybody out. And see, you need to hear in here. It may be some fear in this, but there are also some satisfaction in this. If even though that you live in a lawless generation and a violent nation, you have to understand, ultimately, God will take care of it all. Oh, I know that's a change in, 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 in the idea and the tone and the tenor of the text because we want to see a God as a big bad wolf that's coming in and we just can't believe it and, and we just can't believe it but actually there's some there that, that should be some joy and some some confidence and some also got some happiness in the fact that regardless of what goes on around me no matter how bad it gets God will come down and take care of it he he will turn it around now now this time he did it by water but I said, thank God for the promise, right? He said, I won't do it by water anymore, but fine next time. And I like how God says, it, I ain't going to worry about it. I won't drown you no more, but fine next time. I mean, I ain't going to drown you, but I am going to burn you. That means I'm going to take care of it ultimately. Now, can I suggest to you that Noah didn't get involved until God called him to do what he did? See, we see the righteousness of Noah, the regression of man, then we are introduced to the wrath of God. Up until this point, God has not fulfilled his promise. I'm not suggesting to you that God has done anything wrong. Why would I do that? He is God. But God said, if you sin, you shall what? Julian, they learn words to songs and can't remember scripture. I wish I could sing like I wanted to. I just sing a song and maybe they get it. If you sin, you shall surely what? There we go. Speak on up. Use your voice. Let's try it again. If you sin, you shall surely what? But up until this point, are people falling dead? Not saying nobody died because Cain did kill Abel, but 
What did he say to Cain? Cain said, if I go out and people actually see me and they know what I did, they're going to try to kill me. He actually placed a mark on Cain and said, no, I'm going to let you walk around and make sure nobody touches you. In fact, I'm going to get them if they touch you. If you notice that even in their lawlessness, God was still giving suggestions and guidance and recommendations that what you don't do is take things into your own hands and decide that you're going to vindicate your brother. You decide that I'm going to take revenge on. No, 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 don't do that. In fact, I'm going to tell everybody else, don't touch you. But guess what? You're going to have to deal with what you did. That was in the text. Did y'all see it? See, this is what God was doing. God, God, God has a tendency to still try to lead you and guide you even when you don't ask him. Even when you go before God and say, what do you mean, where is my brother? I'm not, am I my brother's keeper? Okay, let me bring it back down clear to you. You know you got this smart mouth child that always still needs your help every now and then. And you always there for that smart mouth child. But when they think they got it under control, they talk to you anyway. Well, I, I like the word, me, me and Miss Barbara talk about this. Sassin, you know you got that sassy child. Let me go back to Dave here. They talk back and they don't, oh, let me say it the way y'all do it. They back talk. Can I say it the way some other folks, they start smelling themselves, get too big for their britches, they getting hot in the pants. Y'all got it? But yet when they need you, you're what? Still there. When they need a little advice, you're what? Still there. And even sometimes when they bring you a problem and they not ask you for your help, you're what? Still there. And all you thinking in your mind is, Yep, I'm trying to help you, but you're going to learn today. Because a hard head made a soft wood. There we go. Y'all knew that one. And God is still giving instruction. And that is not right for you to take stuff into your own hands. Can I suggest to you this? Some of us would want to take it into our own hands if somebody killed ours. And we wouldn't want to forgive. And can I suggest to you, that's natural. That's natural. Self-preservation. That's natural. But again, is it godly? Or is it godless? Which one is more natural for man to be? Godly or godless? Let me help you. Because here is what I was trying to tell you earlier in the sermon. It's not natural for you anymore to be godly. Now because of the infection of sin, it is natural for you to be godless. So the stuff that come to your mind naturally usually ain't God. Because the Bible says that our nature is sinful. So the stuff that just roll off your tongue, you know, when you start speaking in that English tongue and folk come up to you and say something crazy and you start to, and then want to lie and say, excuse my French. That wasn't French. I understood every word you said. Understood every word you said. That ain't French. That's English. That's, that's bad. Because you say, I can't help it. Why? Because your nature is sinful. And that's what would happen right here. When the wrath of God came on man, it was because they got to a place now that they're following their nature. And their nature suggests that it was God 
lead a godless. I know we want to stick to the part where it says, and man is created in the image and the likeness of God. I know that. But we want to skip over the part where sin came in and man stopped displaying the image and the likeness of God. Okay, let me put it this way because I want you to understand. You know how your child grew up looking like you, acting just like you, and then they got to that moment where they start acting like their daddy? See, they were so cute. They were cute as a button. Until they start making their own decision, and then all of a sudden, you're just like you would, daddy. Now, mama, why, why she don't look like you no more? Why, why all of a sudden he don't look like you no more? Why, why, why every time you see him, you, 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 you see me? What you're saying is, even though the child is a part of me, I'm actually saying subconsciously, and I'm just putting it out in a joke, but I'm really saying honestly, he now starting to act like that without I don't like. And guess what? Really, when we say you act like something that I don't like, you're saying you act like somebody else because I can identify the wrong in somebody else, but I don't want to identify the wrong in me. So what I'm saying is when you're acting good, I feel like you look like me. But even though I'm in you right now, you're acting bad, and now you're looking like them. The only problem is, in, in cases of, you know, mothers and fathers, both of y'all sinful, so they act like both of y'all put together, which is sometimes hell on wheels. And the difference is with God, is that there's no wrong in me. Oh, y'all missed it. So whenever you go off script, you're not acting like God. You're acting like yourself. You acting like your mama and your what? Daddy, you acting like Adam and Eve right now. So you're not looking like the one that was actually shaped in the image and the likeness of God. You're looking like Adam and Eve. Naturally, we sin. Because we're acting like our parents. Might, might I just jump to the New Testament and give you just a quick consolation? That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need God to come back into us and to indwell our lives so that our mentality, our hearts are totally what? Changed. So that, see, if our nature was naturally godly, we would need God to come in and change our nature. We wouldn't have to be regenerated and, and changed and what we say, born again. We wouldn't have to die to sin and come alive in Christ. Naturally, we sin. And now, here we see the wrath of God. We've seen the righteousness of Noah. We've seen the regression of man. We've seen the wrath of God. But then here comes the redemption of God. He turns around and he says, Noah, I need you to build an ark. And this was less like a boat, more like a large house with rooms and different things. And it wasn't made to steer or anything like that. It was just made to float. And what God said here is that even though I'm destroying the world, there's a remnant. There's a few that I'm going to save. And in that few that I'm going to save, I'm going to start over again. And I'm going to take these few and I'm going to multiply my image all over the world. And I thank God that in a lawless generation, a violent generation, and one 
that does not acknowledge God. He still has his select few. Those that will stand and look at their enemies and say, Lord, give me strength. I want to forgive my brother. I know that the times tell me to kill a man. I know that the times tell me to cuss that man out. But I'm of the generation that want to forgive my brothers. I thank God that he'll use us to show the world what godliness is. I thank God that he can trust me enough. That he can place in me an opportunity and power and wisdom to help somebody else. Is there anybody here? that uh, say I thank God that uh, he took a chance on me because naturally in my mind I want to do the things that everybody else is doing because I understand how you want to slap somebody sometimes I understand how you want to hit somebody sometimes I understand how you want to hold a grudge sometimes I understand how you can be angry all the time but I thank God that he touched me is there anybody here that says I thank God that he chained me anybody here says I thank God that he delivered me I thank God that he took a chance on me and God selected me so I could tell the world that salvation is free. Is there anybody here that know that I was always right? But God told me and he made a promise to me that I'll use you and I'll provide for you. If you do what I say, I'll preserve your life. Is there anybody here that said thank God he put me in his ark of safety? with everything around me he healed me up and he protected me I thank God that he didn't allow death to touch me I thank God that he didn't allow me to be in the crack house I thank God that even though I was in the crack house he brought me out is there anybody here that says I thank God for being that one that among just a few that'll tell the world that salvation is free. Is there anybody here that see what God says to Noah? He said, I'll place you, I'll place you in the ark, and I'll bring you back into pure safety. And I want you to multiply my image all over the world. Is there anybody here that uh, hear what God says? I promise you I will not destroy the world by water anymore. And I'm going to give you a rainbow as a covenant of my promise. But what I want you to do is live the way I say. Don't shed innocent blood and do not take the blood of animals. Is there anybody here that uh, says I thank God? for my promise what is your promise I'm glad you asked 
That was the covenant with Noah, but he is the covenant with me. For God so loved, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here come the promise that whosoever should believe shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He says if you believe, I'll give you life. Is there anybody, anybody that know that my God is quite all right? If you believe in God, he will sustain your life. If you have faith in God, he will protect your life. If you believe in God, he will give you eternal life. Anybody in here says, I got faith in my God. I wake up in the morning and I stand on his word. I slip sometimes, but he picks me up and he turns me around. Is there anybody here that know that my God is quite alright? I believe in him in my, in my darkest times and he's still my light, my light out of darkness. Is there anybody here that say I called on the Lord? And he heard my prayer. Is there anybody here that say he came to see about me in the doctor's office, in my sick room, in my hospital bed? Is there anybody here that say I believed in God and he took care of me? Say yes, yes, yes. Here, I say, I know he will, I know he can, he will deliver you. Is there anybody here that say, I know God will do it? I just want to ask somebody the question, won't he do it? Won't he heal your body? Won't he make you well? Won't he bring you up like you never failed? Won't he restore you? Won't he rejuvenate you? Won't he do it? Won't he pay your bills? Won't he save your family? Won't he save your marriage? Won't he save your soul? Won't he do it? Won't he pick you up? Turn around. On a solid ground, won't it do it? Won't it do it? I said, won't it? Won't it? Won't it? I said, won't it? Won't it? Won't it? Thank God for the promise. Thank God for the promise. Thank God for the promise. God made the promises that if we believe in Him, we'll have everlasting life. He said in His word, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Don't worry about your enemies, God. I will what? Repay. And he promises us if we will confess with our mouths, believe in our hearts, that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive them. All over the room, we thank God for the promise. Will there be one today that desires to take advantage of the promise? Is there one today that would come and say, I want to be in covenant with God. I desire to come and be a part of a faith family that follows the Father. One who allowed me to live, love, and learn with them. Is there one in here today? If that's you, we invite you to come. Desire to have a passion for Christ and compassion for people, one who loves God and loves people, one who not only pre preach and teach, learn the word, but also live and apply the word. We're not perfect, but we try to be righteous in the sight of God. All over the world, that we want to 